Hello and welcome to the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. And oh, is it a special edition. A special edition of all special editions with a very special guest on the very special edition. This is Elizabeth Pitt, everybody. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I am so thrilled. Um, so give a little bit of backstory of mine and Elizabeth's relationship. So she uh, was uh, the vice president of the company that I used to work at. Actually, the chief customer officer. Chief here. customer. Oh, <laughs> see, I knew, I knew you were a big deal. I was a, a very big deal. C suite. Yeah. I thought vice president was still C C suite. Was that <laughs> was that not elaborate enough? No, it just gets fine. It's just you know, I mean, as a woman, I'm stepping into really owning my accomplishments. Yeah. So there you go. I, I love that. that correction so that I can, you know. So right off the bat, I'm already wrong. Very good. So, uh, <laughs> so. Um, Elizabeth was absolutely instrumental in helping me accomplish my dreams uh, and moving to Los Angeles. And she is a dreamer herself. Uh, she and I actually started a podcast and did, did. A, and did a couple episodes. We didn't quite get around to releasing it um, about dreaming. And so she is absolutely incredible. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't you, uh, I'll just let you uh, just talk about yourself and how amazing you are for a little bit. <sighs> Okay, if I must. So um, it's actually, it's interesting, right? Because as you start to dream and create and things in your life do start to turn out amazing, if they're authentic, it's not because there's a lot of ego around that and you want to talk up your amazingness, but it's just right. like, you know, it's interesting. If you give yourself permission to dream, some amazing things start to happen. And that, that has been my experience. You and I met at Infusionsoft, which was one of the most empowering cultures that I'd ever uh, worked in. Because they were so explicit about believing in people and their dreams. Sure. And um, so, you know, I've got a, I mean, a, just a long and windy history. Um, I spent quite a fair amount of time in software. I mean, I guess, you know, I went to fancy pantsy uh, University of Chicago to get my MBA. I thought I was, you know, I mean, I actually really enjoyed the school. But I thought I needed to get lots of credentials. That was kind of my strategy in my 30s. And then I worked at a strategy consulting firm called McKinsey & Company, which is um, working with the, you know, top tier multi-billion dollar companies on their hardest business problems, the ones that the internal folks might be having trouble solving, you know, sure. or that they need an outside expert to come in with a very clear perspective. Great business acumen perspective is really wonderful. But, you know, but truly those experiences where you're just working all those crazy hours. And I mean, I was in the thick of it. It's pretty cool. I got to like work in Chicago and be in the fancy office building. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I've really made it. But at the end of the day, there was something a little bit more about I'm doing this because I had an external agenda about accomplishment. So I always wanted to go to the elite schools. University of Chicago was the number one business school, so I wanted to go there. McKinsey was the number one strategy consulting firm, so I wanted to be there. And what an amazing muscle to have to be able to put my energy towards achieving in that way. But there's an element missing called what do I want? You know, what do I want to accomplish in my life? So that's the beginning of dreaming is achieving, you know, maybe based on someone else's thoughts about what that could, that should or could look like what success could look like and then getting into about 30 30 couple and saying oh wait a second you know i thought there was going to be a parade for me when i graduated <laughs> you know top four percent right. of my class at the you know top business school in the country and not really you know there was no parade i mean i missed not having a parade i thought i really deserved a parade. I, I feel you do you know but i did have my parents come into town for my business school graduation my divorce parents and then have a big fight so that was almost a parade but uh, anyway, a different so, type of parade, but yes. parade, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so, so it was really interesting. So then after McKinsey, I got into software and I worked for Intuit, the makers of QuickBooks and um, TurboTax and uh, sure. Quicken and um, 
what that that was an amazingly run company. I worked in San Diego in their tax division, making uh, taxes for small business owners. So I fell in love with the small business owner entrepreneur um, uh, customer because I got to go to their offices and interview them and get a sense for what a day in their life was like. And it was like nothing I'd ever seen. I mean, they really had an unstructured day. They were structuring their own day from, you know, solopreneurs to people who had offices of three or four people, busy as all get out. And at the end of the day, they needed to do their taxes. Right. And they weren't sure that spending, you know, $3,500 for those taxes made sense for their business size. So we created a software that could allow them to do it. And Intuit was very much, you know, the customer first. And I got to like really be belly to belly with customers. They would use the software. I was the product manager of that software. And I got my first taste of really connecting with people as something that had to be part of my purpose, like had to be part of my dream. Is, is it's like business without that connection wasn't um, fulfilling. Um, so I don't think I was in like the free dreaming stage at this point. I was adjusting from the agenda others had for me of accomplishment and then um, you know, something that's like, oh, this is going to make it a little juicier for me. If I can actually connect with the person that I'm serving in the work that I do, this could get interesting. Yeah. So then I had a turn where I bought a business uh, that was in a field that was really up and coming, elder care and internet together. And I thought, wow, I'll be a captain of industry because I've got two big trends together. Turned out that I wasn't super passionate and I didn't really know that much about elder care. Sure. I, li I liked online and software, but then things got hard. Business mistakes get made when you're a new entrepreneur. And so that business did not do what I thought it would do. And I realized you have to have a real passion and commitment to see through the twists and turns if you're going to dream, right? Like if without passion for your dream, when it gets hard, you're not going to persist, right? It has to get you where you live. So, you know, I had a business that didn't get me where I lived. And along the way, met the folks at where we and I met. And that was the first time where I had leaders who were very versed in dreaming. I mean, really believed in the creative uh, force that each one of us has as our birthright. You know, there's a great creator and word and his, you know, progeny that we could really create because we say so. Very interesting and very different from the achiever mindset where the achievers like find the creator and then do really great work with and for them. And then they might pay you a lot. It wasn't like, you know, give yourself permission to create. Mm. And I think in the achiever world, there's also like, there's the creators and then there's like the fulfiller manager operators who are then by definition, not creative, which is interesting. Let's make sure we don't get too out of the, oh, the mic. Uh, yeah. You got to hear the two out of it. Cause it's like right there. I'm like, you know, not used to always yeah. talking. Then it's not, you're not, no one's going to hear me. Yeah, we have to say that whole thing again. Just kidding, you're fine. Okay, all right. Well, you'll just, you know, edit it out with um, some AI yeah. voice. Hello, oh, I am. And, 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 uh, and I am the vice president. I'm not the vice president. I'm the chief. Exactly. So anyway, back to dreaming. Yes, that was yes. the, you told me to talk a little bit about myself. I talked a lot about myself. but I love all this. I found myself in a culture that gave every human being in that corporate culture the permission to dream. Right. And that is, you know, and, and there are other companies like Zappos who do that. I mean, it, you know, it is not um, without precedent or without, you know, peers in that approach. But I certainly didn't feel that at McKinsey. I really wasn't. That wasn't the conversation of Intuit. Those are large, you know, multi-billion dollar like corporate corporations. There was a lot of leadership development, you know, right. so that there was a lot of investment in personal development. But not so much of an emphasis of like, mm, if you had a white sheet of paper, what would you actually dream up? And that's where you and I met. You were doing some very interesting dreaming of your own. 
um, around going into comedy and acting and, you know, understanding you had a talent, but not really having had permission to just unleash yourself and go into the abyss and trust that the net would appear. Right. You know, and that it was just interesting. So maybe then talk about, you know, our meeting, how, you know, your dream. I mean, because I think there's an alchemy, you know, there's some some principles to dreaming, but it really started with the courage that you had to declare something. And then, you know, some some supporters kind of grew up and around you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you that the, the courage was bare minimal. It was really from the encouragement of two key individuals, Dan Rouse, who I had uh, on here a couple of weeks ago, who was my dream manager, and then uh, Elizabeth Pitt. So um, so ultimately, you know, I sat down with Dan and he just said, what's that thing that you really want that you're so afraid to even say out loud because you just don't even think it's possible? And great out even thinking about great. it, out even thinking about it and said, I want to be on a sitcom. And I had never said that out loud in my entire life. And but I have spent my entire life watching Saturday Night Live and watching Seinfeld and watching Big Bang Theory and watching uh, The Office and seeing these character actors and going like, that's really what I want. I could totally do that. Yeah. yeah. And having no idea how that would even happen for me or, you know, like, oh, that that's those big breaks that those other people get. But I, that's not in my I don't get that. Like, right. Life doesn't work out for me was really my mindset. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, we can go to my whole psychology, but, you know. <laughs> um, so what Dan ultimately did was just say, um, well, what would it take for that to happen? I said, well, I would need to move to L.A. Well, what would it take for you to move to L.A.? And I'd be like, well, I want a job because I'm not going to go out there and I don't have any savings. Like, I'm not in any sort of financial position to go, like, just out there and, and try to wing make it. it, yeah. wing it. Um, and I just said, you know, I could totally do this infusion shop job remotely. I totally, you know, like I love being in the office, but like, I know I don't need to be here. So then the next question for Dan was, well, what would it take for this to go to remotely? You know? And so it was just like asking, well, what's the next logical question? What's the next thing we need to figure out? And ultimately how you and I met was it was, it was so random how it all happened or, uh, or divinely orchestrated. Um, yes. you know, whatever your belief system around that is. But, um, I just said, well, they don't have a remote department here. I've only been working here, not even six months. And oh, it, I didn't realize that. Oh, it was, I was really new. So like, I haven't really developed many street cred. You know what I mean? Like I haven't really earned the right to be like, Hey guys, I've scratched your back. Now it's my turn. You know what I mean? Like totally. I, I didn't really feel like I had that sort of entitlement to like ask a big ask. Sure, sure. Um, and so there was no remote department. And then Dan asked, well, what about like working for one of our partners? I'm like, well, that would be great. He goes, I know lots of our partners in California. I said, that's great. But Infusionsoft has a non-compete that you can't go work for a right. partner for at least six months from quitting. And I'm like, and I don't have six months of reserve. And he goes, he just goes, well, this is all he said. He said, why don't you email the legal department and just clarify that that's the policy? And he goes, and I don't remember who the person was. Here's the legal department, whoever's in charge, and here's their email. Tiana, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So I just emailed Tiana. Hey, Tiana, I, you know, I have this dream. And I led with that. Because Infusionsoft's motto was, we believe in people and their dreams. At yeah. least at the time. One of their or, values. One, yeah. Their values. Yeah, yeah, one of their core values. Yeah. So I kept using that. Like, 
this is what you guys purport to believe. Yeah. To what extent do you actually believe it or are you doing a lip service? Right. Right. And so I had to say, you know, I have this dream of moving to L.A. I would love to work for Infusionsoft, but there's not a remote position. So the next step would be to stay in the ecosystem. Like, I'm not trying to screw you guys out of your investment. I'm just trying to see how we can make this work um, in a way that is very transparent. I'm not trying to do anything underhand and anything shifty, right? So I get an email back from legal saying, yeah, unfortunately, you know, that that would be in place, that six-month hold. And I got that email back. And this was the level of my belief in myself. I went, okay, dream over. Right. Like, I tried this thing, <laughs> first barrier, and... There, I didn't have that in me of like, okay, what's next? Okay, that was that was one no. I still need to go get a thousand more no's before. Like, I was shut down. And I just went, okay, well, nice try. I guess I'll just work here and not go for it. Like, yes. that's really where yes. I'm at at that time. Yes, yes. So I, I literally, like, I was done. Like, I gave it a shot. I, I sent one email. That was the, <laughs> that was the extent. Their persistence, yeah. That, that was the extent of my persistence to pursue this dream. Unbeknownst to me, legal had forwarded that email, not to a vice president, no, <laughs> no, to the chief person's operator. Did I say it right this time? Chief customer. Chief customer. Officer. Officer. <laughs> CCO. Um, Elizabeth Pitt. So I get an email from Elizabeth and I, I hadn't met you. I knew of you. And you knew of me. That's I knew of you. I mean, I, I knew that. I mean, you were you might as well have been God for, you know, like <laughs> you're you're like, yeah, you're a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you're the boss, 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 boss. You know what I mean? You're adjacent to the boss of all bosses. You know what I mean? Like and and in my little like limited, scarce, so fascinating, no courage mindset, I'm going, I I'm I'm fired. I literally thought when I saw who it was. And like the first sentence was like, hey, Paul, you know, this, this is Elizabeth. I legal forwarded me your email. And I thought I was fired. I thought like oh. I, I had done nope, all legal for I didn't ask him. What? No, what? Wait, wait. I have to stop <laughs> for just one second because you've been dreaming for a minute now. How often does the next perfect step in your dream feel like game over, like like a bad piece of information? Like it starts off feeling like a bad oh. surprise, but in retrospect, it's one of the best things that could happen. So you open this email, felt like a real bad surprise, and it actually wasn't. So anyway, I just was thinking in a parallel right. of when you actually start then free dreaming and understanding that you are creating something and there's no set path. Yeah. Something that seems like a shut door or an issue is actually sometimes the beginning of the thing. Yeah. So and you don't know because you've never done this dream before. It's not predictable. Yeah. So it is interesting to notice the backdrop of, well, of course it's bad news. By the way, most of us, receive information like of course it's bad news yeah you know i guess maybe the depression era people taught us to think that way i don't really know but right. I, I know that bias for like it's got to be a bad surprise i'm surprised right. elizabeth is emailing me must be a bad surprise yeah I, and i had mentioned this earlier it's like i i had an expectation that life doesn't go well right like that's what i expected like it never turns out it's interesting. You never get the love you want. You never get the job you want. You never get the dreams you want. It's always fail, 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 and then die. Like yeah. that, that that was what was, however it was installed in me, that right. was the software program that was running. Interesting. 
And that you didn't live on the, you know, anyone who's met you wouldn't have said that about you at the time. It just takes uncovering. That's what, that's a limiting belief that was in there. But you're not like leading with that when you talk to people. Oh, no. But when you're really pressed and you're like, well, why would I think that? It's like, oh, I've got a talk track. You know, like you think about a laugh track. Well, inside of her head is a talk track of like, you're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to be a fail. Or one of my friends and I discovered we had like, don't be broke. Don't be single. Don't be fat. That was like, you know, those were the three cardinal rules. Don't be broke. Don't be single. Don't be fat. Wow. And those three things are running like, don't be broke. So don't quit your job. Don't be single. So, you know, you must be in a relationship. Don't be broke. Never quit, you know, your or don't be fat. Right. You got to be fit. Like, you know, it's it's awful to put on weight or not look your best or what have you. Think of all the limits that that was putting on. So things don't work out for me. It's fail, fail, fail. Then you die. There's there's limits there. You don't even know it's there until you actually start trying to go somewhere. Yeah. And only then if even if I mean, of course, we know the dreams manifest and we have some more about that. But even if they didn't, what you get to uncover about what's limiting you would be worth it just to have a cockamamie dream. Right. What the cockamamie dream unlocks, you know, when people are like, well, did the dream happen? Yeah. Sometimes you shift your dream. Sometimes if that happens, it's legit. It's not giving up. Right. But it's like what? you get unlocked in the face of an obstacle about what limits you is worth the dreaming regardless of what happens with the dream. Right. Yes. The good news is, you know, nine times out of 10, it actually manifests and maybe in a just different do way. Do you think it's that high? I do. You think it's 90% of dreams come true? I do. Yeah. Cause why would you, why would they not come true? What's the only reason they wouldn't come true? I don't know. It you quit. Because if you keep on going after something, you're the smartest person in the room about that thing. An obsession pays out. You just don't know when. Right. Yeah. I do think it's that high. Or you say, genuinely, I learned a lot. I was obsessed for a decade. Like I studied wine and I was a certified sommelier. And I thought I was going to have like an industry in wine and know a lot about wines. And, you know, I really was going down that path. And then I realized people in that industry drink a lot. And I mean, you know, like, I was just a child. Well, but I mean, for me, it kind of was because I was like, it's so intellectual, like the, you know, where it's grown and how the grapes are. I mean, I thought it was just this wonderful intellectual exploration. Just a little bit about that industry. It attracts people who like really do drink kind of what. And then I was like, oh, I like the intellectual piece, but I don't know that that piece would, you know, is is, is as exciting now that I kind of really see that. Right, right, you right. You know, right. and oh, being around alcohol all day long. So I like it. It's wonderful for taste. It would have, but I could see that that might not be commensurate with some of my other goals for health and for, you know, just, I guess, lucidity. Sure. Whatever it was. But so, so it's interesting, you know, to have a, a real opted quit, a real, like, informed quit. Yeah. It's not the death of a dream at all. Yeah, and it's not really a quit. It's it's a pivot. It's a, pivot. It's a you know, the, the dream is going elsewhere now, which, which exactly is totally right. acceptable. Totally acceptable. That's exactly right. And then that level of mastery, I get to keep. You know, I mean, it was right. a very hard thing to learn to be able to master at the level that I did. And I get to totally keep it. And it's a fun party trip. trip. Yeah. People put a wine in front of me and they're like, can you tell me what that is? You know, most of the time I can. Yeah. I, you know, and that's part of what I get to keep. But so, what you know what I'm saying? Like, but who I had to be, you know, what, what happens as the pursuit of the dream? Um, you know, as you're pursuing the dream. I mean, even when I was going into the wine industry, I'm like, all these people who know so much more than me. I mean, I'm 30 and I just am starting this. And like people have been doing this for decades and, you know, all the things they know. And oh my gosh, it seemed insurmountable. And so then I had to come into my own limits about, you know, 
Uh, how much education do you need before you just go for it? Things of that nature. Sure. So just saying the the boldness to declare a dream will uncover those little gremlins and talk tracks in your head, regardless of the outcome and the bonuses. The outcome is almost always pretty rich as well, as long as you persist and the gremlins don't win. Yeah, yeah. So so back to you. Well, it's interesting, and you can understand why when I hear ninety percent, like what? How that how that is still at friction with my mindset, which is like sure. no only. A very few select. There's only like one. You only get one Taylor Swift, and every other singer songwriter doesn't get to be, you know, Taylor Swift. Or only there's one Patrick Mahomes who wins all of the Super Bowls, and all the 31 other wannabe quarterbacks don't get to win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so totally. I I start thinking about like, and those are different because I think that in sports, um, there is some physicality that's really required. Sure. In music, there's probably some vocal talent, although not. Not universally. I, there are some, you know, vocalists that I'm like, oh, mm, yeah, but who have been very persistent. I think it's easier to stay in love with your dream when you have measured success early. Sure, that's it. And you know, and there's some like I will. We're not. I don't know if we'll get to this, but miss my Mister Yummy, my love of my life. Oh, heck yeah, we're gonna get to that. I, I married him at 45, and I was thinking he's never coming. Sure, I'm gonna die a woman with a lot of good friends without a man in my life. I am not kidding you. Right. That was my limiting belief. Like it doesn't get to happen for me. Right. And the odds of that are you know, the optics of having a person seem a lot easier. Half the people in the world are men. Like your odds seem better than let's say fame or, you know, being a successful, famous, whatever. Um, but even in my own mind, I'm like, I'm going to resign myself that I'm just too unique of a blend and I'm not going to get to have true love. Right. That's an interesting one. So, and then 45. You know, I looked back and said um, he wasn't available until he was. So it took this long because that's when the person I was conjuring up became available for me to love. Yeah. So. So, okay. Yes. Amazing. And let's go back to the history because that was a fun tangent, which every time we talk. It's tangential. It's one after the other. Sometimes I I think we've had like four hour conversations. Yes. uh, Which is why I was like, we got to just record this. So. All right. So thank you for that. So let's go back to the email. email. So yeah. I get the email from Elizabeth Pitt and I think I'm fired. Uh-huh. I have, you know, legals talking to like people know what I'm up to and, and you're exposed. I'm exposed. And the email was the complete opposite. The email was, I just got your email from legal about you wanting to work remotely for us. And I really feel that we need those programs or something along those lines and, you know, can't make any promises. But we're looking into it. And this is pre-COVID, where we're working oh, yeah. remotely was like, brr, brr, brr. Yeah. So context, this would have been 2015, early yeah, yeah, er, yeah. early 2015. Um, and then over the next weeks, months, just more and more momentum started uh, generating behind this idea of working remotely. And, you know, and then I really started to have to change my mindset of like, wow, there's actually people out there who give a shit. And there's actually people who mean what they say. And there's actually people who care about me, even they don't, they don't really know me, but they they know that I'm in their tribe and they have this purpose and, and, and these uh, beliefs, these core beliefs, these core values, and they stand behind them. And, you know, to fast forward, next thing I know, you, Amanda Brown, uh, Amanda Souders, Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Uh, Brett Crandall, I think it was those four, 
I'm just working away at my desk and you all surrounded my desk and you're like, do it. You can go, you can go work remote. Oh, I still, I, I still get chills. And I'm just going like, something in my life has like amazing. It's just happened. Yeah. You know, like this huge course adjustment has, you know, like, right. and you know, and I'm just going like, wow, I, I, I have to start kind of believing in myself and in people and, and, you know, and in, in my dreams. And then this whole other, I mean, I could talk about how many alignments and synchronicities even right. to the, like the timing of where I ended up living and all of this stuff was like so synchronistic. I mean, within a couple of hours of like needing something to line up and open up, I'll, I'll tell the story real quick. So I'm, um, so one of the things Dan said was like, well, what are some of the limiting beliefs you have about moving to LA? Oh, it's too expensive. Rent's expensive. Have you ever looked out how, how expensive it is? Oh no. He's like, well, why don't you just do some research? Just start Googling what do apartment costs? What do rooms cost? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then once I went and did that, I started finding places. Oh, that's not so bad. Right. Oh, I could make that work. Yeah. And at the time I found this website where it was a it was a townhome that had three bedrooms and they had a room for rent in it that was very reasonable. I'm going, wait, is this real? Right. So I actually emailed the guy. Now this was before the email. This was before anything. This was just me. How much would it cost for me to get a box to live in in LA? And so I emailed the guy and he emails right back. He's like, oh hey, we we just rented that, but I'll I'll keep you in mind. Like I'll I'll keep your phone number because it's kind of a bachelor pad. We have people coming and going all the time. I was like, great. Didn't think anything. That was like February. I didn't think anything of it. So now I've gotten the green light. I have a job that will let me work in a different state so I can have some income while I get grounded and try to figure life out. And at that same time, another buddy of mine had decided to move to LA. So I'm like out in LA. Right. And we're looking for apartments. We find an apartment. We start going through the qualification process. And I had committed to move out that weekend. So I'm kind of in crunch time. It gets time to sign the paperwork and my buddy goes, um, I'm not comfortable signing a lease. I'm not, I, I'm actually not sure now. I mean, his plans just sort of changed. Like his long-term commitment to this change. He's like, are you comfortable just signing the lease yourself? And it was like, no, because the apartment is like, I needed to rely on his income to, to make it work. Yeah. So I had to just call the landlord. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and be, or the property manager be like, I'm sorry, I don't think I can do this. You know, my buddy's backing out. And again, it was like obstacle devastation. That was like my MO. Like I hadn't developed that muscle of like, oh, and problem. Step. Next step, next step. And I distinctly remember we were, we were at a coffee shop. This will give you a, an idea of my state of mind at the time. He pretty much tells me that at this coffee shop. And I'm like, okay, I go to the bathroom. I go in the bathroom stall and I like curl up in the corner of the bathroom stall and cry. Like devastated. Like what the hell am I going to do now? Two hours later, mm. I get an email from that dude from six, seven months before. Hey, Paul, I have a place opening up. Are you still looking to move to LA? I, yes. He's like, when are you looking to move? This weekend, when is it going to be available? He said, the guy's moving out Friday. I'm like, I'm moving in Saturday. He's like, well, you got to, you know, you have to go through. Call. I'm just like, yeah, I know. Can I come by and see tomorrow? But it was like, no, this is already the place. You know what I mean? Went by, saw the next day, did the thing, did the the application, 
I knew I was going to get approved. And literally, their dude moved out on Friday. I had a U-Haul, and I moved in Saturday. My last day actually was that Friday. You may remember this. We had a company meeting, and yeah. they had me host the company meeting. I remember meeting. this. Yep. And I got to tell everybody in front of 600 people, like, everybody, I'm moving to L.A. tomorrow. And I got to thank everybody and thank you and thank Brad and everybody who had had um, such a strong influence on that. Um, and here we are. 10 year, almost 10 years later. You're crazy. You know. Oh, that was nine years ago. That's yeah. crazy. And you and I have, you know, ma maintained a friendship over the years. And it still kind of blows my mind. Because I still have a hard time letting go of, you're the boss. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do, yeah. And like, not just the boss, but like, the boss boss. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, and I still remember, you know, you had called me uh about a year and a half ago you know with that relationship that i was in that didn't end work out and you didn't even know it had to work out yeah that's true you had just called me yeah. you're just like what's going on and all of a sudden we have this long heart to heart yeah and now we're like hanging out all the time and going to comedy shows and going to dinner and uh, and 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 so it's just remarkable the people who will come into your life who just support you and love you and i think you're the boss too i kind of think you're the boss i'm only a vice president so i am not <laughs> I am not C-suite material. True. You're striving. I give you that. So enough about me. Enough about me. So let's get now to the dream of all dreams that we all love to talk about because it's a love story. Everybody, love story. everybody loves a love story. So let's talk about the Mr. Yummy story. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, you know, so you're it's so interesting, right? Because you're talking about the email back from me where I'm like, yeah, I totally think we need a remote department and you know that what that unleashed. And you can see um how I was unleashing my own dreams in terms of supporting someone else's. You know, because like the it was we don't do remote here. But I didn't think that was the right answer. So I was looking for a case, uh, a person, an instance. Right. To test can it be can we be successful can someone hit all their metrics is, it, is if it's the right type of person can this work and um you know i think through covid and stuff we do realize that it does work but like that was me kind of being in a dreamy place because infusionsoft was a dreamy place then we had you know i wanted to empower lots of people i wanted to cast the net wider for talent you know the things i wanted so we were a match too right so it wasn't a it wasn't a um charity yeah. That's the interesting part of it. Yeah. Is it was something super aligned to my values and Amanda's and Chris Brown's and Brent Crandall's. All of us had shared, you know, being part of someone else's dreams and the and the miracle of dreaming takes our breath away. So there's a win that way. But I also had, you know, some thoughts about empowering other amazing people or being able to open the applicant pool wider. And I was like, well, who's more motivated than Paul to make this work? Because he wants to do really well. At his, you know, his remote work so that he can pursue his dream. I mean, that was a really interesting win-win. And so, you know, I myself had, uh, was in a season, really. I mean, because it's pretty awesome being, you know, in the C-suite. You are given a lot more permission to put your handprints on the creating. I mean, and I think that's one of the challenges in corporate companies like Infusionsoft for encouraging people to dream. You know, but it's like, but you can't have 600 people with their handprints totally on everything or else it's chaotic, you know. Right. So at what level are you actually shaping the the company's uh, future. But I was feeling personally pretty empowered. We got to go meet with Jim Ca Jim Collins, you know, good to great, built to last in his lab in Boulder, Colorado. He was talking about the company we were creating and we talked about dreaming a lot. And I was, I had actually gotten a coaching credential. So I was coaching other people 
in that very intimate, vulnerable space where they're saying things like, you know what, I really want to be on a sitcom or I would really love to work in this industry, but I don't know how to break in, you know, so it's getting more vulnerable with people. And one of the things I got really face to face with um, after putting it on on chill for a minute was the intimate partner in my life. When I did a perfect day visualization, when I envisioned my life, and, you know, as a little bit of a backdrop, I was married in my 30s. That marriage, you know, was not super successful. Then I was engaged. And I was just like, uh, maybe I'm trying to balance career and, you know, love. And maybe uh, you got to make more space for a relationship, which which some co- coaching I got. As busy as you are, where's another person going to fit? Great question. But then there's always that niggling. Maybe I'm not that lovable. Ooh. I talk a lot. You know, I'm a little curvier than might be the, you know, standard, you know, package someone would order up. I mean, I have a voracious intellectual appetite that can be exhausting. I mean, people have described me as exhausting to them. And that's not a fun thing to hear by yourself. You're like, I'm sorry that I just have a very, a very active minded or whatever my editor, I'm very intense. Well, I will state I have never grown tired of Elizabeth Pitt. I know four hours on the phone that we can spend talking about this stuff. Yeah. It's really... Yeah. Mind not me, actually. Yeah. You know anything? Because we don't even notice. Right. And I'm like, it, what? It's midnight. Was it? Was it? Yeah. It, okay. Talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I had to work. So, uh, uh, anyway, so, you know, I'd had my own heartburn. So, you know, I said, uh, I'm going to do what I know I'm good at, which is lead and dream at Infusionsoft. And so I kind of shut off the, you know, like the, the, the funnel, if you will. I was just not really doing a like I'm looking for a partner thing. But then I did do a perfect day visualization, which is another thing you can do in dreaming. You know, ask or project yourself forward five, 10 years. And what does your life look like? And it was very clear in that that I had a delicious, intimate, you know, marital partner. Or at least, oh, you know. I love how you describe that too. Delicious. Delicious. Mr. Oh, Yummy. You can just taste oh. the succulence of the relationship. It, it was succulent. So, you know, I didn't, I, you know, just like, I mean, because we're talking about dreaming. I did an, a 14-minute mind movie. So I wrote a script about my perfect day. And then I set it to, you know, uh, images and, you know, what have you. I mean, I animated it to images that represented my words. And so it started off, I, you know, I wake up without the help of an alarm. That was big. Like, I just wake up naturally. I'm not like... of when I don't have to set an alarm clock. I wake up naturally without the help of an alarm, right? And there I am, and I'm just, you know, stretching, and I'm getting ready to go on my workout because I'm a triathlete. I was, I did triathlete for a while. I was, that ended up not being a <laughs> But, you know, so like, and, and I lived right on the beach in the Caribbean, and I look over, and there is my beautiful man. And I just look at him, and I'm like, yes. You know, like, I, he is sumptuous and wonderful and smart, and I'm having my coffee, and I'm looking out at the beach, and I'm like, I love our life. It is just amazing. I can't believe all of this abundance, you know, and it, it's like, you know, you're layering it on in these dreams, but it's not not real. It's completely real, you know, totally legit. I can feel it in my bones that there's somebody there with me. And then I didn't have that somebody. And not like it was missing. It was just like, I think I probably want to do something about that. Like, I think I think I want to, you know, it's time because I'd spent three or four years um, leading at Infusionsoft, quieting down the dating channel, you know, just being spending time with myself, just enjoying who I was. I had amazing people I met at Infusionsoft who were super grateful for my contribution in terms of the coaching, the patience, the loving, the believing that I was capable of. 
I think I fell in love more with myself for a minute, which is so critical if you're going to invite someone else to come on in there and love you. You got to deal with some of your stuff. So I, I did reach a point where I was like, okay, I don't know. It's feeling like time. So I had a really good girlfriend of mine and she kind of gets angel promptings, you know, and like angel messages. And she's like, oh, they're telling me we should have some fun here. She's like, you know, um, so and we had been talking about, I don't want to do online again because I don't like online. It feels really like you have to say no to people who are really nice. I don't like all of the having to reject or being rejected. And it's like, so all transactional. I don't know. I was like, my Mr. Yummy is out in the world doing interesting stuff in interesting locations throughout the world, like, and doing, I don't know, crazy cockamamie things like, I don't know, you know, race car driving or, you know, going to building dedications or charitable events. He's out. He's about, he's a man of the world was my thinking. So uh, we were talking about, should I just go on trips and be around people that might be interesting versus like the only reason you're on a dating site is because you want to date. Right. I, I kind of wanted to bump into someone. Like that's how I was thinking. I'm like, well, bump in. Our eyes will lock a Carrying the, the books down the high school locker room totally. and you drop them. Oh, 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 oh. sorry. Oh, let yeah, me get those from you. Oh, hi. As you say it. I, I knew. <laughs> I, knew I, knew I knew at the school. I just transferred I just from Brunswick. Well, I mean, I had my meet cute in my own mind. Yeah. And my meet cute wasn't some email like your profile looks interesting. Really. Right, what right, my right. cute in my mind. It was not my meet cute. So anyway, she encouraged me to write down 24 different locations I wanted to travel to, 24 months each month twice, and 24 um, different uh, things I wanted to do. So places I wanted to go, things I wanted to do, and months each, you know, each month. I picked 10. And that became the Mr. Yummy plan. And so then I said, okay, next year, this was in 2016, I'm going to take these trips. The first one was in February. It was like February, March, May, June, you know, September. I mean, we had these 10 trips. Some of them ended up being short, some of them long. But I would invite a girlfriend of mine to come with, and we would just go and be out and about. So my sister was on the first trip. We started off in... Um, Napa and uh, San Francisco. And then um, the the friend that I was telling you about, we went to Seattle and she was on that trip with me. And I went with another trip to St. Martin and I'm you know doing these trips. And I went to Dublin and Paris with another friend of mine. And it was, su- I mean, Dublin is super fun. The people there are super fun. Yeah. And along the way, we're meeting interesting people, you know, but the, some of them were foreign. So how would that work out? But that was, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of just being foreign that could be super interesting. So I'm going through this plan, but then at work, um, we kind of started having a little bit of business challenge. You know, we had, I was in charge of customer success and, and retention. Our retention was kind of like, the, our, our churn rate was creeping up, our retention was creeping down. Things were getting a little hot in the kitchen. And I knew that I was going to have to give that some serious attention. And in that, in so doing, yet again, I'd be choosing work over, you know, my love life. I would be not making space for my love life. And that's the coach that's telling you about Steve Hardison. He's the one who said, as busy as you are, where's Mr. Yummy going to fit? Like right. how, how, where that it's a non sequitur. It doesn't work. So I made the really hard choice to go in and tell the founders, Clay and Scott, that as much as I loved working at Infusionsoft, and I truly did in the team that I was on, you know, I truly did that I needed to complete this year of Mr. Yummy. So my, you know, Mr. Yummy plan was beckoning to be completed. This was right about June, July. Um, and so Clay went to the executive team 
and said, um, well, Elizabeth's decided to quit. She needs to do this Mr. Yummy plan. Her intimate true love, her 50-year true love, that's how we're describing it, is more important to her at this time. And so, um, you know, he's announcing this to the C-suite executives. And there was one that was a temporary chief revenue officer. His name was Tyler Norton. And I didn't know this. He pulled out his phone as a result of this announcement and texted my now husband, my Mr. Yummy. Are you still single? There's this woman I think you should be. No way. He did. So his name was Tyler Norton. I told you about that perfect day visualization. Of course, in a perfect day visualization, when you're married, you give yourself a new last name because that's what you, I mean, I guess for all the women who wouldn't do that. But it, in my old school, I'm sure. taking my husband's name, you know, so I gave myself a new last name. My last name in that perfect day visualization was Norton. So like, so Tyler Norton is the one who introduced us. The name I gave myself in that visualization. So it's almost as if the current you can see little parts of the handprints on things. Like if you just ask yourself, if you're able to project forward into the future you're creating, you get little hints. Now they're not like, you know, uh, a download necessarily sometimes, but you do get some little hints. And so then that's where you see the serendipities of like, I might, if you know some string theory to the future works, I might be able to tap into my future self who's giving me hints about some of this stuff, you yeah. know? Um, and so anyway, I, uh, it wasn't until that was like June, July. I didn't meet Evan until January 6th of 2017. Okay. So I had completed the full year of Mr. Yummy believing 100% that it had not been successful. Cause I, you know, I had some people. Wait, it meaning. The yeah, Mr. Yummy plan. So you thought. This is it. Love failure. Coming. Like you thought game over. Need to play a new game. There is no Mr. Yummy for me. I did. And um, mm. where it got really hard, I, it was September of that year. I had had a crazy Catholic obsessed landlord where I sublet an apartment for him, from him in La Jolla. And he had, you know, Virgin Mary on the walls and what have you. It was supposed to be my bachelorette pad. And I had Virgin Mary on all the walls that I took down and hid behind a, <laughs> behind a sofa for the time I like, sublet. Virginity is not what we're about, right? Yeah, right. The bachelorette <laughs> people. Yeah. So, anyway, um, but when I, as I was leaving, that somebody said, "I don't know why I'm telling you this. I think you're supposed to go to Medjugorje, and this is a place in Bosnia Herzegovina where six local children saw apparitions of the Virgin Mary and got messages about love, and you know, from her there. And so this guy just was like, you're supposed to go to Medjugorje. I'm like, but you're you're a very odd man, Dan." Uh, but okay, I, I, and I put your Mary back on the wall. So anyway, in this, uh, one of my trips was to Croatia. This was about September timeline. And I was just like, well, I'm, you know, spitting distance from, from Medjugorje. I'm going. So I went to Medjugorje, not knowing what to expect. I was with a girlfriend of mine and we're just doing a road trip, you know, and it's going through Bosnia and Herzegovina, the, the border people there are serious and kind of a little scary. It's not like Yay, road trip. They're like, what is your business? Yeah. You're crossing the border. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm looking for love. <laughs> I am looking for romance. I know. Well, but hey, right. That will transcend the ages. That's exactly right. You know, so so it was a serious tenor. But then we got to we got to the parking lot of this Catholic pilgrimage site. And I'd read a little bit about it. And the, and I was already feeling tender because, you know, I was 75% through the plan that I gave myself. And really nothing was panning out. And I was really vulnerable, like, you know, oh, now I'm going to have to tell everyone, yeah, I'm still single. You know, I guess dreams work for other people, but not me. Yeah. I mean, also, you, you know, I didn't want to 
scoop up someone in the funnel just to prove that my dream had worked either. That would be right. totally shortchanging myself just to look good to other people. Right. But it was really like my heart was so wounded. I'm like, maybe I really don't get to be loved. So I, wa- I, I drove into the parking lot and, you know, when sometimes people say you were touched, like spirit was there, like you get a visitation from spirit. And I totally did. And I just started to cry. Like it was, uh, I feel that when I go to St. Mark's Basilica in Rome too, there's something very spiritual there, you know, because there's millions of Catholic pilgrims that go to Medjugorje with things in their heart too. So you can kind of almost pick up the center signature from that sometimes I think in these holy places. And I just started to cry because I was face to face with the belief that maybe I don't get to be loved. And that's hard thing to think, you know, ridiculous when you think about it. I mean, but it's as real with my track record of being married and divorced and having a fiance and you know, just I hadn't been lucky in love in my own narrative. And as if he was sitting right where you are, my favorite grandfather, who looked at me with the biggest, bluest eyes of love of anyone in my life, came and said, whispered in my ear, don't worry, honey, we haven't forgotten about you. And so then, you know, it's, it's like it was just one of those those most spiritual things. And I'm just like, that was so bizarre. I've never had that kind of spiritual visitation before. So then it was three months later, you know, and it was like December when I got a, like a Facebook um, message from Evan, like, oh, Tyler says we should meet. And I'm like, he does. Oh, who are you? And he's like, well, this is Ren. I lived on the same street with him for 10 years in, you know, in, in Utah. And, you know, he's my pal. And what are you up to? And uh, so then in January, I met him and we went to First Friday in Phoenix and we had a, a, just a magical time. And I didn't want to rush it. I wasn't going to rush it. We took our time dating each other and what have you. But that was a very special first date. And, you know, that dream just like there was. Yeah. But to be careful not to want to say like, look, my dream's working out because that's not the spirit of it either. Right. You know, not to like convince everybody that, oh, no, I found this guy. See, it worked. It's more the real honest. Like, look what I come, came up against. What was holding me back from love? Some core belief that I'm not lovable. Yeah. And. All, all of us have some version of that somewhere, some teacher, some parent, somewhere we're worried that we're not lovable. Oh, my gosh, the vulnerability to dream, to do what you're doing on the daily basis. If you got little whispers in your head that you're not lovable, then you get a hater or two online. Yeah. See, they're right. Yeah. You know, like you got to get so right and in love with yourself. You got to get so in love with yourself. And even still, Mr. I mean, I've been together now seven years. And we sometimes have our little, you know, frictions like people do in relationships. But you know what happens every time we have friction? I look at how do, how am I not loving me? It's not about him. It's where am I unhealed? Where am I wounded still? Where am I, you know, where do I have friction that I'm creating it with him? So it's interesting. The more vulnerable you became, the bigger you dream and the parts that are hardest in your livelihood or your career or your, you know, what you do for a living in your loving area, in a parenting area. The play, you know, in the giving back or charitable areas, when your heart is really, your heart and soul is there, um, some stuff starts to move. And I think beautiful things start to unfold, you know. So anyway, obviously I'm a big fan of dreaming. That was a big dream. But I've parlayed that into other types of manifesting and dreaming, you know, because I think like you were talking about, how do you keep the, how do you keep the, how do you keep the uh, faith? Is the success is intermittent or something feels big, but then something 
you know, feels like it's dropping back. You know, my marriage is going well, but then we're in a big fight. Is it like, right. I mean, was, am I wrong? Right. You know, like, did I just, you know, it, but then I like think about my wedding day and I'm like, no, like you're reminiscing about your leaders behind you and the serendipity of that apartment. If you live in LA was forced, it sure didn't feel that way. Right. Sure. If me walking down the uh, beach to marry Mr. Emmy was forced, that was not how it felt that day. And so, like, in the keeping of the beliefs, I have to go to those two little moments. If a, a sitting in the parking lot in Medjugorje with my grandfather telling me, honey, don't worry, hang on a little bit more. We have not forgotten about you. Yeah. You know, because I felt like, does is there anyone up there that even cares about I dream to be loved? It's that lonely feeling. Yeah. And I can feel it now even reminiscing about it. Oh, yeah. You know, so real. Oh, I have that all the time. Just like... Is, what am I doing? You know, like, it, 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 you know, I'll have sort of the prayerful moments, you know, that, you know, I used to be uh, at a, you know, very religious and then I moved on from that religion. And so it sort of leaves a lot of deconstruction and a lot of, well, what is true and what do I believe and who is God and what is God? Because I don't think it's what I was trained that he or she was. Yeah, right. Um, and so I deal with that all the time. And it's funny, um, I had a similar spiritual visitation did i ever tell you this well, why i have not heard about this so this would have been maybe two three years ago and this was still when i was in la and i'm in my room and i'm meditating and i got some candles going and some meditation music you know i'm just trying on anything yeah and i'm able to catch this state of euphoria where i feel that sort of elevated joyful oh i've, I've left earth for a little bit here so i know what's going on like you know i'm not drinking i'm not on drugs i'm not doing anything i'm just meditating focusing breathing and just allowing myself to be wrapped up into that and in that experience i feel the presence of my mother's oldest brother my uncle jeff who ironically enough was a huge atheist isn't interesting okay or at least or at least agnostic right yeah yeah yeah. um you know very intellectual not a religious guy not a spiritual guy at all and he and i didn't even really have that close of a relationship i mean i would go years and years and years without seeing him or talking to him and i i can't even remember the last time i'd seen him alive in person and he had passed away maybe 2017 or so and all of a sudden i feel him talking to me in the room and i'm having a conversation with him i'm going uncle jeff like that would be the last person who i would would be haunted would be involved in any sort of spiritual epiphany especially given his more agnostic intellectual you know whatever and so i had to have this but i'm talking to him or whatever i think is him and he pretty much just said hey fyi i've been assigned as your guardian angel on this side of things and to help you specifically your entertainment dreams no way and this is what he says to me he goes and so that you know this is true i have a surprise for you do you want to know what it is or do you want to be surprised? And I'm in a state of joy and euphoria. So of course I want to be surprised. I don't have this. No, tell me. And he goes, okay. The next morning I had been with this uh, new agent in LA for about a year. So in LA, I don't want to go too much detail. You have a commercial agent, a theatrical agent, uh, agent. commercial is commercials, TV commercials, ads or whatever. Theatrical is everything TV and movies. Everybody wants the TV and movies. Usually when you're up and coming, you settle for the commercials to make some money, right? And I'd gotten plenty of commercial auditions. I had not gotten one theatrical audition um, with this new agent. The next morning, this agent emails me an audition 
and it's for General Hospital. So I have been in LA maybe four or five years by this time, maybe a little longer. And I had never had an audition for any like bona fide TV or movie ever. I, you know, indie films and student films, like all of that stuff, but never like, this is an actual TV show established major brand, General Hospital, one of the longest running soap operas ever. The role was actually perfect for me. And I get, and I get this audition the next morning after having this, this epiphany with my Jeff. So that was still almost three years ago now. And through all of the shit that I've been through, all of the discouragement, you know, the relationship that you know about, um, even this recent experience I, I had with, with this comedy troupe that I had a long relationship with that just completely took my knees out, you know, yeah. by the way, the way that they treated me. And I still just have to go like, man, I hope that there is something on the other side that is taking note, you know what I mean? And whatever right. is orchestrating, whatever they're allowed to do or whatever is appropriate with whatever eternal laws, I don't even begin to try to understand it, but I still have to sometimes just rely and be like, man, I hope my uncle Jeff is still up there. Cause like, I'm still going for this. My dream has not really changed. My focus has changed, whereas before I was, I thought that being on a sitcom meant I should try to pursue acting directly. And constantly I get, I get sort of led towards pursue standup. Right. Pursue standup. And standup is, is so hard for me. Does not come naturally to me. Does not come easy to me. It, it, it's so hard for me to write. It's so hard for me to feel confidence. Like I love improvising. You're great. I mean, that's yeah. your genius. I love improvising and I love acting because it's like, you tell me what to say. That's right. And I say it. And then, or I get to make up with this thing. But maybe because of your head stuff, stand-up was, is the, the gateway for that to go away. Sure. For the other stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. for you to be a match for your big role, maybe this is exactly what needs to happen. Anyway. Like maybe the heart is what's required in some interesting way. Yeah, know? definitely. I mean, it, it's been very clear. You've got uh, your myriad of fans. Yeah, it was just buzzing, so I just thought I would unbuzz it. Uh, it was only like, oh, it was Mr. Yummy. It was Mr. Yummy. It was Mr. Yummy. I will now watch that. Oh, right. I got. I, Sometimes he says funny things when I pick up the phone. Wow. I got priority over Mr. Yummy. Yeah, I mean, yes. And that is absolutely not, I mean, only because we're filming. But uh, in general, we're each other's number one after ourselves. You know, that's it. God, ourselves, and uh, each other oh, I love in that order, love you know? So, yeah. Um, but now, Paul Green for the moment. So, you know, other things can creep in, but, you know, yeah. only because we're filming. We're live. We're filming. We're live. Um, so that was so interesting. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. You know, that was my experience. And, you know, and I still just wonder, what is that going to look like? Because it's... I mean, it's pretty grandiose, and I have to constantly like check that. Two words. It's pretty grandiose, is it? I mean, in the universe, you getting on a sitcom, and you know, you ordering a glass of water are the same level of effort. They don't care. It's not grandiose. Stop saying that. Oh my gosh! Please, I adore you. I am getting dream coached again by someone who nobody does it better. 
No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That have to come together. That might be a lighter way we can say, you know, there are some things that really have to come together. Yeah. There's some forces that need to come together. So, like, you know, it's like I can't just, you know, dial up the I would like a role and then, like, put a check mark and then send it to the person. And, you know, it's it's a little bit more to it than that. But it's not grandiose. It's not for you. Yeah. Not for you. So may I articulate how the dream looks now? Yeah. Because I do love stand-up and I do love performing. Yeah. I know love is that nobody knows who I am. Right. Relative. Right. Yeah. yeah. Trying to sell tickets and like I really learned that that is that that actually is a big deal. The industry that I'm in. Oh, um, up. In in stand-up is if you are not a draw, if people do not go, oh, this comic is in this venue in my town i'm now going to spend 50 bucks and get a babysitter and then go spend another 30 on drinks or whatever it is to go see them the ceiling is so low in terms of any sort of success that you can have and i'm actually having i'm doing well in that lower ceiling success like people will book me you know i'm doing casinos there's clubs here who know me and that's all great and i love that and i'm grateful for it but again the ceiling is yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm already bumping my head on, and, and I know people who have been doing it longer than me who have still, are still on that grind, and it, it it's just not really a viable way. And it's not actually what my dream really is, you know? Right. right. So when I think about that, it's having, having enough visibility yeah. to where I can walk into any venue or schedule a show at any venue in any, you know, small, medium, major market and actually be able to sell tickets to the thing. And then also to have that visibility and whether it's whatever the chicken and the egg is, you know, be able to have that visibility to then also be the guy on that show. Or if it's, oh, he's that guy in that show and he does stand up in my town. I want to see him. Matter of fact, this is an interesting, I'll, I'll tell you this story and then how are you doing on time? Because again, we could go tangents for a while, and there was another thread I wanted to pull off. I'm good, and we're, I'm sure you're gonna do a little editing. Is that? Oh no! Okay, oh, this lawn. Okay. I did this lawn blurter, and I already know because actually, my God. my phone actually died, which means the audio track is now just gonna come off the camera. Okay. So I will splice that together. Okay. So the first half will be really clean audio. Okay. The second half will be good audio. Okay. Hey, we're happy with good. You know. Um, Let me grab some water. Go for it. That is your complimentary beverage. Courtesy of Banner Health. Just get in there and I'm sponsors of mine. Hey, do you want to be sponsors of mine? Banner Health Desert Medical Center? Probably need to a lot more viewership before that. Okay. <laughs> so this was like three years ago. I had my first little mini casino tour. I was really excited because I booked something and I was the headliner. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I got to like travel up to Oregon and Washington. There was like six different menus. So... While I'm up in Oregon, I just go, oh, I'm going to be near Portland. I wonder what comedy clubs are in Portland and who's performing. So I'd pull it up and there was like two major comedy clubs that I showed about that on. I don't remember the names of them. I looked at one comedy club. I saw who the headliner was. Didn't know who they were. Looked at the second club and there was this headliner who was an actor in this show that I knew. Okay. Called Billions. And I had uh, Paul, Paul Giamatti and... Yeah. Um, Dick Damien Lewis, is that his name? Damien, actually, I can't remember his name. Um, And this actor, he was like probably like 10th on the casting sheet. He was like... Not a big prominent. He would probably never have, uh, you know, be part of the A story or the B story. Maybe every once in a while he would, you know, 
have a few lines as part of the C story, you know. Um, but he was in enough of the episodes that I totally recognized him. Totally. He's that guy on that show. And what did I do? I went and bought a ticket to see him. I showed it to the show. The venue was sold out. From a large venue, maybe a two, 250-seater. I didn't even know he did stand up. And then I see him, and he was so funny, and he did great, and I got to, like, get my picture with him afterwards, and I'm going, isn't that interesting that, like, because he was that guy in that show, and I'm like, I could totally be the guy in that show. Right. Right. I think you can use your brain to try to figure out how it's going to happen a little bit too much. I Probably. And, you know, you, the universe does its work. You just got to do yours. Be funny. Have lots of content. Get better at your craft. Enjoy the crap out of it. And let the universe figure out how the how the rest is going to happen. Okay. Okay. That's a fair. And then when you have your doubts, which we all do, find your believing eyes. Or, I, you know, a new thing is go back to your believing moments. Yeah. Because just reconnecting with that story from Medjugorje or from the story of you pursuing your dream, I feel even more connected to your dream. I feel even more connected to Mr. Yummy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's like, and I mean, you know, we, we both own businesses and, you know, we have uh, a lot that goes on. So there's friction sometimes, you know, seven years in, that's when, you know, you're really seeing the real actual person. And so then there are moments where you're just like, this was when I was all worked up with that. You know, but then I go back to that day walking across the beach to meet him, the Mr. Yummy planet that he was. The prize at the end to be true right my heart that's what i feel you know, the 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 your uncle you know in the room i mean the boy well, that's not for nothing you know right and right but it, it's like the current situation where it doesn't feel like the action is happening according to your script right that's the hardest sure because you're a little bit side day at all if you're a little bit achiever or successful at all if you're a little intellectual at all you know, you say like, I gotta be a prognosticator and I gotta look good knowing how it goes. The need to release from that is so critical for dreaming because if you're doing that that part of the universe's work, it can't, you know, you're actually turning a blind eye to all the ways that it might actually be happening because you're not expecting it from words it's coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so there's almost a counter intuition, um, to be like kind of a you know quote unquote societal successful person counts on you being hyper vigilant and knowing all the you know angles and knowing all the risks and how you're a really clear strategy and you know narrowing down how the revenue number is going to be achieved or how the costs are going to be reduced whereas the universe just works in these funny maximum efficient ways you know why evan was, i had to wait till 45 that was the efficient way for me and evan to, for him to be available me to be available for us to be an energetic match at that time yeah who else would have known that? For me, I'm like, no, at 30, that was when I wanted a Mistrami. Yeah. I had some work to do. Yeah. I had infusion sock to go to. I had some dreaming to do. I had some people's dreams to unleash because when I am unleashing someone else's dream by helping, I'm voting for my own. Yeah. So it happens like that. Yeah. I mean, you know? the, one of the main reasons I started this podcast. Yeah. yeah. And most it's just me yeah. talking every day. Like, this is what I'm going through. And it seems so counterintuitive because all I've ever heard is like, when you have a dream, don't tell anybody. You know, just tell a few people. Don't let people know what you're up to. You know, don't tell me very big dreams. Just go accomplishment and, and you know, whatever. And I feel sometimes I'm just going like, am I being too transparent? Am, am I like, you know, talking about the ups and downs too much? But it's like, this is actually what I feel called to do. Like, it's the whole, I'm going to do it my way. It's like, no, I'm going to check in every single day and check in with people and talk about dreams and talk about the process and be totally transparent as much as my ego will allow about 
you know, what, what's going on and what I'm experiencing and the ups and downs, you know, and I'm only doing just in case anybody else has out there has a great you're very kidding me these are these are women you know us we talk all the time you and i have kind of we're not we're not listening now really should like but we talk like two really good you know girlfriends like linda richmond i don't know how i feel about i feel like you're bubbling on you paul you're like a girlfriend eating meeting we're not just talking about the weather hey dude hey hey bro yeah hey bro okay like a brother sister then even but a brother who actually has emotional intelligence not i mean no offense for people who don't have i don't want to sound judgy i'm just saying there there's a certain level of natural vulnerability that women have with each other that those conversations are we're having all the time so i think it feels a lot more vulnerable to someone you know especially who has a Y chromosome this kind of vulnerability is not seen as like well i am strong i had it all figured out since the beginning i am stoic and i am not affected emotionally by all things that happened to me that's right yeah it was all yeah i had it all figured out and i never i never sweat a single drop yes that's be asked as far as I can see. And I am very transparent about my own ups and downs in any relationship that I have, which people say is just shockingly refreshing. Right. Because you know what? I always get my outcome. I mean, I'm not a survivor or anything, but I have a track record of achieving, you know, things. And, you know, some things I take longer. But my girlfriend and I, my, one of my best friends, I've known her for, I'm 52, I've known her for 45 years now. Crazy, right? I met her at seven years old. I met her in um, day camp. Her name is April, and she is the bomb diggity. I mean, she and my sister, who I've known my whole life, because I'm the younger sister. Uh, those are some amazing women. But April and I have been musing exactly about um, what keeps you in dream mode, connected dream mode, and what takes you out of it. So this whole thing about the uh, about the roller coaster, because she and I recognize when we're on the roller coaster and on the downside of the roller coaster, we start doing things that are not actually uh, aligned to our declared things we want to do. Like, you know, if we want to be active and healthy, well, then when we're in the, you know, in this one phase of the down, like, you know, we're up here, it's like, oh, my gosh, I put in an extra 30 minutes to the gym. It was so awesome. Oh, my gosh, I went to Sprouts and I made a, you know, the gym extravaganza, right? When you're in this energy, all those things for like, I want to be active and sit at 50 start to happen. But then when you're down here, like, oh, burger sounds good. Right. So we've been really asking ourselves, what's the difference? And uh, my, I'm a spiritual director. So, you know, I don't do therapy anymore. I'm a coach where I'm a spiritual director who asks where God, him or her, whatever is showing up in your life. And I was talking to him and he was talking about our autonomous, ner- autonomic nervous system. And when we're up in connection and safety, down to fight or flight and then into like just basically play dead right so that's the three places it's very i mean he gave me a, a book to read about it I, I mean i knew about it a little bit like i know about fight or flight but i didn't know about it like i read it well when we we're in connection and safety you're not actually physically even narrow right fight or flight your vision narrows to the two or three things that you could actually do at that moment because you are now your survival is threatened and so in fight or flight, your survival is like, that's how your nervous system is reacting. Like, my, I might die here. I might right. die here. Right. So then you're, you're going to fight or you're going to flee. And then that like shut down into like, I'm just going to numb and just like turn into a blob because I'm so discouraged. And April and I were talking today on the phone. And we said, gosh, can I ask myself the question, am I really going to die? Right. Like whenever I'm not in safety and connection, whatever triggered it. Right. You know, uh, a disappointment with a set of colleagues. Right. For me, sometimes homeowners that I'm serving in my business or, you know, 
um, just a random person in my condo, you know, in the in my I live in a condo. I've got some interesting characters there, you know, might take you out for a hot second. And the taking out takes me out. You know, I'm not in connection. I'm not at peace. I mean, something has triggered my fight or flight response. So something has fooled me into thinking this is a fight for survival. Like, unless I am physically about to, like, if it's not physical, it can't possibly be life and death. Right. Unless we're actually at war and we're actually getting bombed. Right. And unless my physical person is, is somehow in jeopardy, right. I, it is not logical. I am not in fight or flight. It's not, I am not. My nervous system says I am. And then my vision starts to narrow. And then you know what else, else narrows is possibility. My set of possible actions to take narrows. So she and I have not gotten to any conclusions. We're like, how do we stay in safety connection? How do we, my spiritual director says, fill up that tank. So there's extra there. So, you know, if a spouse is doing that thing that grates on your nerves, you have that stare. Or for a parent, your kid's doing that thing. That will pull you into, oh my gosh, this kid is going to turn into a holy terror and I'm going to be shamed in, in all of the town for having a horrible child who makes nobody, has no family, and dies alone in a bridge. Right. That's yeah. the kind of firefight, you know, that you come up against, right? So, like, can we just stop when we're getting on a safety and connection and we're starting to get triggered by a fight or flight response and say, I'm actually not in any physical jeopardy. So this triggering is made up. Now... It may still feel real, but at least I could open a window of choice. Right. Because staying in connection, staying in those moments that invited your uncle in, that invited my my grandpa in, staying in, I, I'm going on all these trips because I say so. I'm moving to LA because I say so. But we're not like, oh, the statistics are against you. Oh, you know, all my, half of marriages have been divorced. So, well, you know, I mean, uh, those women are from different planets. I mean, all of the common thinking out there. What has it give up before you even started? You know, they're going to say the statistics don't favor you. So just, you know, eat more food, drink more wine, watch more TV, and just sit there and subsist as the failure that you can admit that you are going to be because the odds are against you. Anyway, this is it. You know, but don't be too broke, don't be too fat, and don't be too single. You know, like, like what is, I mean, what are the just, that's the ultimate fight or flight, you know, um, is just like, I don't, I'm just kind of stuck in the, I, I was, I'm fleeing from my dreams. I fled from my dreams. So now I get up and I just have this rope, you know, live where I'm not really in alignment with my dreams. Then gosh darn it, you open up Pandora's box and start to become a dreamer. I mean, wasn't life a little bit less noisy when you didn't even think it was possible for you to be um, on a sitcom? Yeah. Or you're just paying my bills, yep. you know, having to rent, have show a car. up, have a boss, nowhere supposed to be, go home, maybe, uh, you know, go to the gym that night, watch a little bit too, wake up, do it the next day. No, no real risk. Right. You know, no, no risk of failure, really. And no exposure, you know. No exposure. Nobody would really know who I am and I would really have to be vulnerable and. Right. And also not really have to see how good I could really be. Because you have to admit that you might not hear it way better in your head. Right. You know, I'm a way better wife than I actually sometimes right. best. Or a way better performer or way better or a way worse. You know what I mean? The thing, a way, you know, a way better businesswoman in my head. But now is with my old entrepreneurial business, I'm like, oh, that didn't go so well. Yeah. You know, and and, and by the way, it's not about, you know, uh, a, a job can't be a dream. I mean, you know, I love that there's lots of... of uh, Infusion Sock was an amazing place to work and, you know, right. it was just, it wasn't anything wrong with the job that I was in or that you was in. It was 
that we weren't being honest about the things that we really wanted to pursue. Right. But now you still have a job and you understand its role. And it's, you know, it's like, and you're happy to be there because of what it supports in a different way. Then that dream's hidden. And then you're just doing a job, but you haven't even looked. You haven't even right. looked at what is actually there for me. Infusionsoft is now a different vehicle when it's supporting your ability to move to LA than it was is just a job. Yeah. You know, so everything is neutral. It, it has the meaning we give it. And it's amazing when you dream that all of your support cast starts to be part of that dream. And you just look at it differently. Yeah. You know, you're so grateful to have an apartment to live in in LA. We're, look at all the stuff we take for granted. Right. It's just like, well, it's, it's fine. Yeah. You know, so in the wake of a dream, everything comes alive. It becomes more fascinating. It becomes more magic and special, you know. And that, I mean, do it for that reason. Right. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Well, I think that is a great little coda, if you will, okay. for for this Um Thank you so much. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you and everything that you've done for me and for our friendship. Uh, you do truly mean the world to me. And um, thank you for being a dreamer. Thank you for supporting dreams. And, you know, especially, um, you know, I've talked about this before, how important it is to know who's in your tribe, who actually does have your best interest in mind. And, you know, I've, I've had this experience recently where it was very clear that, oh, no, we don't actually have your best interest in mind. And, you know, and it's so great to have someone like you in my corner and i feel that and i hope you feel that in the turn as well you me so much right is it yeah. like, like you said is uh someone who has their own best interests in mind like really truly it doesn't think that someone's gonna come swipe something for them like really or i'm gonna it's all gonna work out for me and then you can be that from for someone else i do right. know that yeah. you know and which i mean i adore you as well and i feel like you know the more we're growing in love with ourselves it creates a halo, and now there's this overlap, and we can love one another in the celebration of loving ourselves. It really starts there. Right now, can you even really love if you're not falling in love with yourself? Yeah, you know. And so, if these explorations have drawn us really close. We talk about a lot of vulnerable stuff that you don't talk about. You know, the guy at the front desk at my condo, or your cleaning lady, or you know, or right. whoever it is that you know you might be bumping into casually. We've developed a really great friendship out of kind of a funny. Or I'm Jen. A backstory. So, yeah. So grateful. So grateful for you. So thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. Uh, on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. I love you all so much. I hope you are out there pursuing your dreams, uh, navigating all of the ups and downs, finding joys, uh, having great experiences. And when things get tough, when things get discouraged, that you're able to find those those moments of belief, those moments of encouragement, whatever it is within you to to keep pursuing because I can attest the relationships, the experiences that you have, even if what you have set out to accomplish isn't necessarily in front of you right now, even the journey in and of itself is well, well worth it and well worth the experience and the growth and all of the things that happen. So I love you all so much. Thank you for listening and I will talk to you all tomorrow.